it was a good year. It was a good year for a lot of us. And uh, for some of us, when we look back, we see some of the things that worked. When you look back at your, your life in this last year, what worked? Can you th- think about that? If you're sitting with somebody that you love or you're sitting with somebody that knows you, why don't you turn to them and ask them, what was one thing in this last year that really worked for you, for your family or for your friendship or in your world? Go ahead, turn around, turn next to somebody. You can ask them, even if they're a stranger, you can ask them, what worked? Just ask them. Y'all nervous to talk to people? Is that what's happening? What worked? Okay, then, then let the other person answer that same question. Or just look straight ahead and pretend like it's not even happening and that I hurry up and skip over to the next thing. Okay, you found something that worked? Okay, when you reflect back, you can see things that worked. You can also look back and see things that don't work, right? Something didn't work. Maybe there was an unfortunate circumstance that took place. Maybe something happened that that was hurtful or uh, frustrating or economically uh, devastating or traumatic in your relationships or in your health in the last year, right? And so there's a couple of things that we can know from looking backwards. There's information, there's data that we can, uh, we can gather. And when we look back at what works, there needs to be this response of gratitude because gratitude is a spirit. Gratitude is interesting because in Philippians chapter four and verse six, it says that be anxious for nothing, pray about everything, and then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will rule your heart and mind, right? No. It says pray about everything and be thankful. And then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will rule your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Okay, there's, this, there's a state of being that comes when we have a spirit of thankfulness. That means you can recall what has worked, what God has done in your life, what God is doing in your life, what God will do in your life in the future. And when you have a spirit of gratitude, there's a peace that comes upon you, okay? There's a peace, there's a, a sense of well-being, and it doesn't have to have, things don't have to go away in order for you to have that sense of well-being. He says, pray about everything. If you're anxious, pray about everything. He didn't say that everything would go away or everything would get fixed. He just said that you'll have peace because you're grateful and you're praying, right? If our prayers are only to get things to change, we might get disappointed sometimes. But if your prayer is to have the peace of God that surpasses understanding, you get it 100% of the time, every time, if you just submit yourself to it. So when we look back, we pull gratitude from our wins, and then when we look back at the things that we lost at, the things that didn't work, we look back and we gain wisdom from them. Now, unfortunately, some people when they get hurt or disappointed or somebody uh, neglects them or hurts their feelings or whatever the case may be, they look back at that event 
And then they bring resentment into the future. They bring hurt and unforgiveness into the future. And so when they look back, they pull the negative energy from that experience into their current reality, and it affects how they go forward. So as we go into this new year, I'd like you to look at a few things, and I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna give you seven things to think about, seven thoughts. Seven thoughts that I think that we need to have during this time, specifically. Because when you pull back or look back and you see the things that didn't work, you can allow the Lord to show you what you learned from that and then heal you from that unforgiveness and you can forgive and you can move forward instead of carrying that resentment and bitterness into the future. If you want resentment and bitterness to lead you forward, just know this, that your spiritual rhythm will always be off. It'll never be what you want it to be because you'll have that thing that interferes with you being free, okay? So as we go into 24, we're gonna look back and we're gonna be grateful for our wins and we're gonna gain wisdom from our losses. And if there's anything we have to clean up with our relationships, we're gonna do that. And so the first thought that I want to give you today, and uh, I would call this seven thoughts for a new year in a different world, in a different world. Because what, we're, what this world is going to be experiencing in this year is gonna be different than you've ever experienced before. A lot of years seem the same, but this year is gonna seem a lot different, especially in our own country, because we have a lot of things happening this year with elections and things along those lines. And so no matter how those elections go, you can pretty much know that there's gonna be some issues. Right? Doesn't matter which way, if it goes your way or not, there's gonna be issues that we're gonna have to deal with. No matter what happens with our government, there's gonna be issues with our schools. No matter what happens with what you do, our world is gonna experience some things health-wise. It's just gonna happen. You know it, you can hear it. You, you, they're letting you know before it even happens. And so you just need to recognize that some things are gonna happen. So Jesus knew that when his disciples were going to be on their own, that they were gonna be persecuted, some of them even killed. And, and he goes on to describe some things that were gonna happen, and he warns them about the coming year. It lets them know, not so that they'd be afraid, not so that they'd be depressed, but so that they rise up and be strong. I heard a story about a, a, a mom and a child who went to the school and talked to the principal because the teacher, when a child fell down, scraped his knee, the child want, wanted a Band-Aid. And after she cleaned off the knee and she, you know, with alcohol scrub and all that kind of thing, the child wanted a Band-Aid, but it didn't need a Band-Aid. So she said, no, you don't need a Band-Aid. You can go back to class. So he goes back to class and goes home and tells her mom that he didn't give her a Band-Aid or give him a Band-Aid. And uh, so that teacher got put on administrative leave for not putting on a Band-Aid, okay? Now, that might seem silly to you and stupid to you, 
it seemed kind of silly and overreacting to me as well. But we are living in a day where people cannot handle pain. They can't handle discomfort. They can't ha- handle their, their feelings being disrupted. And so they are not built to last. They're not built for tough times. So I might say some things that are kind of challenging on this last day of the year, but we can bury today after I'm done, if you want. Okay, we can just say, forget all that. Okay, that's part of the past, right? And we'll just take the wisdom we can gain from it and be grateful for the things that work, okay? All right, so the first thing is, that I would say is of these seven thoughts. The first one is, clean up broken relationships. Clean up some broken relationships this year. You're gonna need it because you can't be carrying this stuff along with you. You can't drag this forward because then you're gonna pull that bitterness or you're gonna pull that wound forward and then it's gonna infect you and it's gonna infect other people, okay? Um, I like this in Matthew chapter five and verse 23. It says, Jesus is talking. He says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go reconcile to them and then come offer your gift. In other words, don't participate in spiritual exercise if you're not going to participate in spiritual forgiveness or spiritual peacemaking or or getting right with your brother or your sister or your spouse or your ex or whatever the case may be. Doesn't mean you have to go trust them. Just means you need to release them or forgive them or ask them to forgive you. Okay, so... If you got some relationships that you're, you're looking at, don't drag in a broken relationship into 24. Get it fixed. Do everything within you to get it fixed. And something, I think sometimes people think that forgiveness condones somebody's behavior or makes it okay what they did. No, it just, it just separates you from that wound and keeps you from carrying it forward in your life. So to be tough to be resilient, to be able to go into this next interesting world that we're gonna be in, get that taken care of because you don't need to drag that around. Okay, second thing, stop lugging around unfinished projects. This is the word of the Lord for me because I like to start things. I like to build things. I like to make things and I start things and I get bored with it about halfway through and so I got like seven of them going right now that are unfinished. And so projects can be a weight around your neck, okay? Because, partly because if you're like me and you're a guy and you're married, your wife will remind you that those projects aren't done, okay? And it's better, it's better to live on the rooftop <laughs> in the corner of a rooftop than in the house with an angry wife. That's a proverb, by the way. That is a proverb. I just quoted the word. You're not that way, babe. I've got you under control. Yeah. I, I, no, I listen. I listen. I finish projects now. I'm getting good. I'm getting better, right? Yeah, she, she holds me accountable. But, you know, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4 is uh, interesting scripture. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Some of you have projects that the Lord put on your heart to do or that you just desire because of 
maybe a resource that you have or a vision that you had and, and it would benefit yourself and your family and others. But they, it just sits in the garage or it just sits in the yard or it just sits in the bank account or it just sits someplace. And it's every time your spouse or your kids look at it, they just go, when are you gonna do something with this? And, you know, we're supposed to lay off every weight, according to Hebrews. It says, lay off every weight, get rid of it, and the sin. So there's sin and there's weights. And sometimes we have things that are just weighting us down. Some of us have houses full of stuff that is just a, just a weight of stuff. And we're never gonna use it. Get rid of it. Streamline and use that money to do something to help people. Or finish the project. But also you have to ask yourself, who does this project benefit? Who does this car that is set in the blackberry bushes for 27 years, who is going to benefit when you get this fixed? You? Or is your son, when you're dead, have to go deal with this thing? Think about this, okay? So we have to think about what we're carrying around with us. What is the baggage? What is the, what is the weights that distract us from the things that are valuable like your family? And some of us, our projects, when we get all done, it benefits us. It doesn't benefit anybody else. And we put a lot of resource. We put a lot of time in it. You could look at a project even as, as hobbies that we have. Sometimes we spend more time with that than investing into our own children. And so if, if your golf or your backpacking or whatever it is, your time at the gym surpasses the time that you intentionally pour into your son or your daughter, then you have to ask yourself, should I be carrying this around? Or should I make some adjustments? So I think something to think about. And here's number three. Prepare wisely for the worst and build for the future simultaneously. Sometimes we'll say this when somebody gets bad news about their health. And they don't know whether to, to do certain kinds of treatments or things along those lines. And, and I always tell people, I just say, look, make decisions on both. You, you believe for God's complete healing and his wellness and that he will guide your steps forward in everything that you set your hand to do. And at the same time, you make decisions in case the worst happened. Okay, there's wisdom in that. Okay, and oftentimes what happens is, is that people stick their head in the sand and just hope that it'll just go away, and they call that faith. And I think that now in this year specifically, I think that we need to really think about how we prepare wisely for the worst and build for the future at the same time. Sometimes people prepare for the worst and stop planning for the future. Don't ever do that. You always have to have a vision because without a vision, you're going to perish. And even without that vision, your health is not going to continue to go well. So keep a vision. See yourself healthy. See yourself strong. Proverbs 22, verse 3 says, a prudent man foresees difficulties ahead and prepares for them. 
A simpleton goes on blindly and suffers the consequences. We're living in a day right now where it's super, we can, you can see patterns. When you see patterns, respond to patterns. Don't respond to hype. Don't respond to fear mongering or fear porn or any of that kind of stuff. You don't need to, but you look for patterns. So one of the things I look for is I look for prophetic voices that are speaking. And I don't listen to just one. I listen until I hear a pattern of prophetic words speaking. Okay? Then I listen to business people. When I listen for a pattern, when I start hearing patterns repeat themselves, not just because they're in an algorithm that because of the things I like, but also you hear about hear it on in news things, you read about it in books and things along those lines. When you start to see patterns, when you wake up in the night with dreams and you see patterns in your dreams and the thoughts that are going through, when you start to see evidence of things happening like we see in schools right now, and you see patterns, not events, but patterns, because you're going to have weird events. There'll always be weird events in, in schools and in churches and communities. There'll always be weird events. But when you start to see that there's a trend or a pattern, you need to prepare for that. And if you don't, then in this new year, you're, you're going to be really sad that you didn't prepare because the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences, okay? So right now, our whole, our whole infrastructure depends on electricity, all of it, okay? So Jesus says, when you see the skies and you see the certain colors of skies, you know it's going to be a storm, he says, it's really interesting how you guys can discern the weather, but you don't understand the times. You don't discern the times in which you live in. We need to discern. We need to be people who are discerning the times because the world is going to need you. They're going to need you to be a bright light. They don't need you running around looking for a Band-Aid. Okay, they need you to be strong. They need you to be solid. They need you to be faith-filled. They need you to be prepared. And being prepared spiritually is the most important. Jesus prepared his disciples and said, don't even take anything with you. Just go. You're worthy of your keep. Just go. Don't even put gold. Don't put silver in there. Don't do nothing. Just go. He sent them out. Okay? And he told them what to do. And there's going to be times when God tells you what to do. You're going to sense it, that you're supposed to do something. For me, I want to make sure that in my home, we got food, we got water. If there was ever a problem with electricity, we're good. We'll be good for a year. What about you? Do you see any of those kinds of things happening? If you don't see them, you're not looking at the patterns. You gotta look at the patterns. Getting real quiet in here. This isn't meant to be a prepper against the non-prepper talk, okay? But it's just something that's on my heart. I'm just letting you know that there will be a time when you'll need to respond to the voice that's inside you and the patterns that he's showing you, okay? So prepare wisely for the worst and build for the future, okay? Hey, Joseph was smart, okay? He discerned that there was gonna be seven years through a dream. There was gonna be seven years 
Seven years that there was going to be abundance. God told him to put 20% of, of the grain away. Collect grain and put 20% of it away. And he put that 20% away, and then when it came, the time came, there was seven years of famine, there was grain for everyone. Why? Because he understood the times. He discerned the times. He listened to the pattern, the dream. He followed the Lord, and beautiful things took place. There's patterns. You can look at them. In the natural, you can look at them too, like this. When it comes to the economy, in the past 70 years, the U.S. has had 12 recessions, averaging about 10 months each. In the past 70 years, there have been 840 months. About 120 of those months were spent in recession. In the other 720 months, the economy grew. So that's interesting. So you see that there is patterns. You don't have to be afraid of a recession. You don't have to be afraid of a down economy. You don't have to be afraid of wars and rumors of wars. You just need to be smart and be prepared and move on, okay? But don't be focused on it. Don't, like, don't, don't have to be like, this is my whole life. I'm doing this. You know, It's like, no, just be wise and be smart. Okay. Let me see if I can dig a little deeper. Um, Number four, be okay, be okay being misunderstood and even hated. In this day, you need to be okay with it or else you're just gonna walk away from the faith for fear of people, for fear of what they're gonna say. Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, Jesus is, uh, it's really interesting because Jesus is preparing, again, preparing his disciples He's letting them know about some of the things that are going to be happening. And he says that brothers will be betrayed. In verse 21, he says, brothers will betray brother to death, and a father is child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I mean, that's, that's kind, of a, kind of a depressing thought. Why would Jesus take the time to say that to his disciples and put fear in their heart? No, he wasn't trying to put fear in their heart. He was just trying to say, when it happens, don't be surprised. And don't run. Just recognize that this is going to happen. And so, in other words, he wasn't just trying to preach to them a Pollyanna thing that everybody jumped on board and go, oh, isn't it so fun to be a Christian? Because you can sing and raise your hands like this. That's not what he was doing. There is some of that. We get to have a lot of fun. We get to be free in the Lord. We get to worship and we have beautiful music and clap our hands and sing and cry and pray for each other and hug each other, have great community and all that kind of stuff. But there comes a time when you have to know you have to know that things are going to be challenging at times. Unfortunately, today, we're not preparing our kids enough for what they're going to experience in schools. We're not spending enough time with them. We're not talking to them. We're not hearing about their days. And so I really encourage you, make sure that you make it okay, that people aren't going to understand you. 
When, when you start challenging some of the things or you say, no, I can't have my kid in that class or I can't have my kid participate with that kind of party or things along those lines, they're gonna think that you're a bigot or they're gonna think that you're just a religious zealot or something along those lines. But the truth is, folks, there'll be a day where if people aren't saying that, you can know that you probably stepped away from your faith. All right, let's dig a little deeper. Number five, it's important like never before to be a part of a Christ-centered community. Hmm. Ecclesiastes chapter four says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one there to help them up. It always amazes me how people come by the church during the week that need the benefit of the church, but they don't want to invest in the church with their presence. But they want what the church produces, or they expect the church to provide for them in a way that they're not willing to provide for the church. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want the presence of the church, but you don't want to be present. And sometimes people want the benefits of the king without serving the king. And so, folks, we need to get past all of this. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to be a part of a church community to be a Christian. Duh. We get that, okay? But the fact of the matter is, we're living in days where it's not good to be disconnected. The Bible tells us that he who isolates himself rages against sound judgment. And this year, you're going to need community like never before. If you're not in a small group, get one. If you don't have one, make one. Gather some people together. Build a community that watches out for one another and protects one another. I had a guy call me up and said, hey, Steve, if anything ever happened, I got you. And he doesn't go to our church or anything like that. I just know him through community. He says, I just want you to know I got you. It's like, man, that felt so good to know that I had those kind of relationships and that it came through the church, but it wasn't our church. And I love that. And I want to ask you, do you have that sense of community that people have your back? And if they don't, if you don't, this is a year to work on that. Add that to your goals, make that a priority, and let's see what we can get done, okay? Here's the next one, number six. Know this, that the biggest expansion of the kingdom of God is happening right now. The biggest expansion of the kingdom of God is happening right now. Now, this is important for you to know. Yeah, I'm glad you're enthused. Sometimes it can be discouraging because when you see darkness rise up, when you see evil parade itself around in so many dominant areas of our lives, whether it's through government or through Hollywood or through, through ideologies or whatever the case may be, it can be frustrating at times and it can look like, and they make it look like the church is dying and people are not going to church anymore and things like that. But no, that's not true. Especially in the areas where you can lose your life if you become a Christian, like in India. The, one of the largest churches in the world is in India right now over 300,000 people. They're gonna add 40 new churches in the next 10 years that'll all be over 15,000 apiece. 
okay? They're having revival like crazy and having baptisms like nobody's business, okay? It's happening all over the world, especially in China right now. China is the fastest growing Christian population in the world, okay? Why? Because where there's darkness, God does his best work. And God is moving in the underground church like never before. So just know this, it might look kind of dim in your school, it might look dim in your community or at your workplace or things along those lines, but just know God's on the move all over this country and all over the world. God is doing his best work ever. Just know that. You're not a part of a dying religion. You're a part of something that is about to explode in a way that you've never seen before. And you're not going to hear about a lot of the stuff that happens in these other places because they're not going to want to tell you about it. Right? They got to keep it on the down low where they're at or else they're going to be burned alive. But they're still expanding out and covering the face of the earth. So just keep this in mind that when... In Matthew chapter 24, when it's talking about the end times, verse 12, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. What is the sign that the end will come? That the gospel would be preached preached in all nations, okay? This is starting to happen now. It's starting to happen because of, of the internet and technology. It's helping. It's like building new roads into places that we've never been before with Christianity. It's not, it hasn't been spread everywhere, but it's getting really close. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world, and then the end shall come. This is the sign. This was the sign. Somebody was saying the other day is, do you think that all the stuff that's going on in Israel is a sign that the end times are here? I just say, we're closer than we've ever been. <laughs> but there are a lot of prophetic signs that, that are leaning that direction, right? But no man knows the day or the hour. And the scripture tells us that we're supposed to occupy till he comes. And so we need to prepare for the worst and plan for the best and have a vision for the, the future. You can't, uh, back in the 80s when the Iran hostage situation took place where 50, I think it was 51 or 52 hostages were held hostage in Iran. Uh, a lot of prophetic people were talking about how this is it. This is gonna be the end times. This is gonna trigger the tribulation, all these things. And, I was so scared, and I thought, why would anybody put money in the bank right now? Why wouldn't you just spend it all? Why would you invest for in your retirement now because of these things, right? It was freaking me out. And uh, I kind of paused myself for a while. But then they released the hostages, and everything was fine. <laughs> and... Uh, I resist talking about the end times in the sense of, of picking dates and seasons and all those kinds of things for, because I know that human nature is, is that 
if we think the world is going to end, then we quit investing into our kids. We quit investing into our futures. We quit investing into the kingdom, and we start just self-preserving ourselves. And we don't want to get there to that place, but we do want to be wise. And the last one is we need to make sure that we have a spiritual rhythm. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit want you to step in and do a dance, the dance of the Trinity. They want you to engage with them, and they submit one to another. The Father sends the Son, and the Son makes way for the Holy Spirit. And they have this beautiful relationship with one another. We all need to find our rhythm with the Holy Spirit. We all need to find our spiritual rhythm. In 2024, uh, you you need to do more to, to pay attention to that. Like ever before, never before. You know, with the Father, you need to practice the presence of the Father being with you at all times. For comfort, but also when you know that the Father is with you and his presence is with you, when you get ready to do something that you know you'd be embarrassed if your own father was there, then you all of a sudden you go, no, I don't think I'm going to do that because my heavenly Father's with me right now. When you, when you look at people that are homeless and on the streets, instead of being critical, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very critical about how it's being handled right now, but you know that every one of those people is somebody's son or daughter or wife or husband. you look at Jesus, Jesus shows you how to look at people the way that he looked at the woman that was at the well or the woman caught in adultery or the man that was cutting himself because he had demonic influence. Jesus, having a rhythm with Jesus goes really good with having a rhythm with the Father. Because Jesus shows us how to do it in the flesh. But then there's also the Holy Spirit, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit where you can come freely to God in worship and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to you and convict you of things, bring things to your remembrance, ways that you came across too harsh, ways that you were too sideways, ways that you neglected, but also a reminder of who you are in God, a reminder of who you are as a man or a woman of God. The Holy Spirit wants to cleanse your spirit, wants to heal your soul, wants to have a rhythm with you. So we need need to have a, a spiritual rhythm. And one of the things that helps us with that cadence is, is our time at church, but that point is not so that you come to church every week. 
although coming to church every week helps you with your spiritual rhythm. Just, it's so clear, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things that you need will be added to you. Housing, clothes, food, all the things you need. You'll get all that when you seek first the kingdom. Seek first the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the direction that they lead you in. And then your year will be amazing. In this room, if you just bow your head right where you're at, like you to look back and remind yourself of something that worked last year. To yourself, just say thank you. Thank you. Now bring up that thing that was painful, scary, hurtful, wounding, the Holy Spirit just come and take away that pain in Jesus name take away the pain now Father we pray that you guide us into this new year guide us into this new year and may this become one of the best years we've ever had not because everything went well but because when things didn't go well, we were prepared and we didn't lose your spirit and we didn't lose our stuff. Thank you, Lord.